Hello there, listeners, and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Vry Kaiser. I'm an editor and contributor for Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter, where I post the stuff I uh, freelance, at Writer Vry, or you can find the other podcast I co-host, at TrashPod. My pronouns are they, them, and with me today are uh, D and Caitlin, Dream Team. Hell yeah. <laughs> Woo! Hi, I'm Dee. I'm also a staff member at Anime Feminist. Uh, you can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can hang out with me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I am the technical editor and uh, staff writer for Anime Feminist, um, and you can find all of my various stuff when I remember to link it, slash don't feel like I'm being egotistical for linking it, at altsoon underscore no dare. If you can't be egotistical on your own blog, I ask you, where can you be egotistical? This is the internet. Egoism only. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm very excited about today because I have been trying to harangue the staff to do a Parakiss podcast for forever? Possibly forever. Basically forever, yeah. Basically. We've always been willing. Yeah, it wasn't super... And it wasn't super easily available because you guys had copies, I think, but I didn't. Um, and like the Tokyo Pop version was out of print and then Vertical had a version, but it was kind of hard to track down. Um, so it was just, it was perpetually on my I'll get to it eventually list. Uh, and then Vertical released a very nice 20th anniversary edition this past, what, December, I think? Something like that, yeah. 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 Um, like that. And it's extremely reasonably priced, uh, entire thing, uh, a brick of a book. Um, but it was like the perfect excuse to finally get the copy and uh, and do this podcast. I think it's just the the two the, the the two vertical volumes that were out for like five seconds, but they smooshed it together into one enormous brick and lowered the price a bit, which is yeah. fine, I guess. I had the first two volumes of the vertical release. Um, and then before I, right when I was going to buy the third one, they announced the brick. So, uh, so I was like, well, I'll just wait on the brick. Yeah. yeah I, I stuck the first two volumes in the little free libraries in my neighborhood and said, I hope someone enjoys them. <laughs> someone enjoys two thirds of a series. <laughs> give the rest of it. I'd Leave them one more. People took out, like, the random volume of Complex Age I accidentally bought two of. Someone's taking all my manga, so. Fair enough. Yeah, that that's going to be interesting for this um, this podcast. I actually was able to get the brick. I wasn't sure that was going to happen because we are recording this during quarantine time. Um, and it is currently backordered in a lot of places. But I was able... So... I read, I both reread my copies of the Tokyo Pop translation and kind of skimmed over the new vertical t- translation, which uh, they're different. They're different. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I mean, Tokyo Pop is somewhat notorious for taking some liberties with the texts. Um, so I am unsurprised if the translations are like dramatically different. <laughs> cough, cough. Arashi's accent. Cough, cough. Yeah, he's. Uh, Arashi is randomly British. Is he now? Half of it. (laughs) Well, okay then. They just get bored of it after like a volume. Change their minds. It's a choice. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So to kind of give some background for folks, uh, Paradise Kiss is one of 
the two most well-known manga works by uh, manga artist Yazawa Ai, who is sometimes known as the Queen of Jose. She has a couple other series, Parakis, and her other most famous work, Nana, are the only ones that are available in English. And Paradise Kiss was published from 1999 to 2003 in Zipper Magazine. It also had a 12-episode anime adaptation in 2005 that wa- that is uh, currently out of print. Uh, the license was lost when Genion went under and nobody else has picked it up. And there is also a live-action movie that came out in 2011 and certainly exists. <sighs> I haven't seen it, but what I've heard does not make me want to watch it. Burn it down. Uh, so, yeah, as we kind of alluded to, there's, uh, th- this is one of those podcasts where there's a diff- th- there are levels of history going back with this series. Caitlin, I know that you are a longtime fan, and D, this is, you, you only just got around to reading it for, because podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's been on my, I saw the first couple episodes of the anime way back in the day and just uh, didn't have easy access to the DVDs and wasn't able to finish it. Like, I liked it. I just wasn't, like, so enamored with it I had to go out and buy it right that second. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, you know, getting around to reading the manga has been on my list for forever because I read Nana and I watched Nana and I really enjoyed Nana. Um, And, you know, people spoke highly of Paracus, especially the the two of you once we all started chatting. Um, So, yeah, it's been forever on my list. But this was this was finally the uh, excuse to be like, okay, I'm going to buy the dang thing. Let's do the podcast. So but yeah, I'm I'm fresh to it as as opposed to you guys. Yeah, I'm very excited about that, honestly. Yeah. What was what was y'all's experience with this series? Because I know you've been fans of it for like a while. I um, when Tokyo Pop was first first put it out i look him like i don't think that looks that looks good i don't like the art um because i was like 13 and and uh had bad taste <laughs> well in fairness to you the original the original release of the first couple volumes the covers uh, look really bad. ugly the covers they- were terrible um the covers did nothing to show like how nice the art was um and then, like, at a convention, a couple of my friends got the first couple volumes, and I read them, and I was like, oh, actually, this is really, like, pretty and really good. Um, so, you know, I actually don't think I've ever managed to own the entire series. Um, but, you know, my appreciation of it grew over the years. Um, you know, the anime came out. Um Osamu Kobayashi is a really he's a really distinctive director I think is a good way to put it um and then like one of an early article that I wrote for heroin problem back in the day was about Paradise Kiss and how it's really just this absolutely incredible coming of age story um and yeah no like it's it's really it's really just a super well-crafted story um and i love how it handles sort of the relationship between yukari and george um and yeah 
no it's it's great it's fabulous I, I i'm surprised to remember that i am the like this is um this is actually the only azawa series i'm familiar with because i never did watch or read nana because i didn't want to have to deal with the heartbreak of it not being finished mm-hmm. and sometimes i kind of regret that decision but also because Yazawa's was a very good writer but also my heart it already has stars aligned in there <laughs> oh i remembered another thing sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. I cosplayed uh, Mikako for um, Anime Expo one year. My friend went as Miwako. Oh, that's then cute. We, then we discovered that my friend's boy, my other friend's boyfriend, who was tall and skinny, had just happened to have like basically one of George's outfits, like the one with the big cowboy hat. Oh, and, like, nice. He literally just had like the elements of that outfit with him. Um, and it was like funny because he didn't live in the area. He had traveled from out of town. Um, and so we just tossed that on him and like went as a uh, Paradise Kiss slash uh, Gokinjo Monogatari group. Cool. Yeah, it is absolutely, it is also completely wild to me that Parakiss technically shares a universe with another Yazawa series, Neighborhood Story, mm-hmm. um, that has just never made it to English language audiences like either the manga or the 50 episode anime that got made in the 90s yeah no it's it's unfortunate because it is a good series um I read it in my own way back in the day <laughs> you acquired it we are a pro legal licensing this is a pro a pro licensing site but Sometimes there ain't no license it, if you dig. It was it was many years ago. Things were different. Things were different. <laughs> Things were different. Mm-hmm. Um, please support the official release. Yeah. Anyway, please do, which does exist. Um, but yeah, personally, uh, Parakis is my favorite Jose manga. It's actually one of my favorite manga of all time. It would probably make the top ten list if I actually sat down to make it. I read it. When I was just out of college, I was probably like 22 and um, was spending a summer at like this uh, commune artist thing. Uh, and I had heard of I had heard of Paracus like spoken of with high regard. I think, God, I think I watched a video Jacob Chapman made about it back in the day. Um, but I had never been able to get my hands on it because this was just after uh, Jenny on had collapsed by a year or two and. Tokyo, you know, the bubble had burst. Stuff was hard to get hold of. But the person who was running this thing that I was at happened to have the first two volumes of the manga with her randomly. And I, like, devoured them in an afternoon. And while I was there in, like, a shitty farmhouse in Iowa, I went on my computer and ordered the Tokyo Pop volumes off of eBay so they would be there at my parents' house when I got back. Um, And I still have those, actually. And I even managed to get a hold of the the Genion individual discs of the anime, which was bastard hard, even in 2012. They're about impossible to get now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, it's it's not the worst thing. It's If we had to pick a version to be available, I'm glad it's the manga, honestly. But, yeah, I, um, I love this series so much. And I'm really glad that, A, we can talk about it, and B, maybe some people will read it. I might have teared up again uh, rereading these to get ready for the podcast. Every single time for me. Honestly, I I cry every time I read it. 
Which which part gets you? Which part which part evokes the tears? Is it just like periodically throughout, or is there a particular scene that gets you guys? Um, it's a a few different points near the end. Mm-hmm. So um, the part where they're at the fashion show and Yuhuri goes out and she lets go of George's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the part where she uh, she gets the key and she goes and opens up the room and it is to and it's all like the outfits that George made and she uh-huh. just collapses in tears and I always cry at that part. See for me it's completely different. Uh, for me it's when uh when George when little George gives Isabella her first dress. Oh, that's Aww, yeah. yeah. That's also I don't have the same kind of connection to that part that you do, but like yeah, I can totally see that. And the uh the scene at um on New Year's. I really I really think that's a well-done scene. Mm-hmm. And I guess that kind of leaves uh D, how'd you feel about like coming to the series with the incredible baggage <laughs> that it has with it, honestly? Um, I mean, I really liked it. Like I said, I was familiar with Yazawa's work. I know um, some of her tendencies from Nana, and it was interesting to see some of those um, also on, also displayed in Paradise Kiss. Um, I It was weird. I kept catching myself, like, sort of comparing it to Nana, and then also sort of comparing it to, um, like, Higashimura's Jose series. Like, I think because Princess mm-hmm. Jellyfish also has a fashion element to it, but they're, like, extremely mm-hmm. different stories. Um, and not comparing in like a, is it better or worse kind of way, just in a, how these, uh, you know, Jose series that are technically about the same thing, like handle those elements differently. Um, right. so, and I mean, this, this is one of the few times we've done a podcast where I read it. I hadn't read it or seen it before. Like I was reading it for the podcast. Um, and anytime you're, you know, taking notes while reading a thing, I think that it's a little bit harder to just engage with it as a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did not have any like big emotional, uh, reactions to it. Like, like you guys have. Um, but I mean, also it's, it's, it's the unpleasantness as we're recording this. So I'm sure that made it harder to, to have those as yeah. well. But anyway, no, um, but no, I mean, it's a, it's a, I, I, I absolutely understand why uh, you guys like it as much as you do. I think there's some really, really high highs in it. Um, I think it's a uh, complicated uh, coming of age story in mm-hmm. a way that you don't often see in manga. And it's, it's something Yazawa's good at. And also it's a, it's a fine line with Yazawa's work because she, t- she likes to portray like, um, unhealthy or like straight up abusive behaviors and not necessarily take a firm moral stance on them. And I don't think that's Mm. an, I don't think that's an inherently bad way to write. Um, But I think that you have to be super careful with it, that you don't accidentally end up like romanticizing or, or excusing it. Um, And I, uh, I fought with that a little bit at the tail end of the series. Um, Yeah, there are, I, I think we should acknowledge straight up, uh, I guess twenty minutes in, straight up. Uh, that uh, there are parts of this series that haven't aged super well. I think, given a lot of other series that I've read from around this time frame, it has actually held up astonishingly well. But there are definitely yeah a, a couple things that have aged poorly. Like um, George, you know, just uh, George is not. It is kind of the stereotypical uh promiscuous um kind of 
fuck around by character. Uh, we're told we don't really see him doing that though so i could never tell if he was just like always kind of joking and like putting that on as a persona or if he actually was yeah like there's a fair amount of ambiguity in it because oh yeah um, because george is deliberately very opaque um and so like the little flashes that we get like on the rare occasion where he does allow himself to be vulnerable like there is a sense that maybe Yukari is not the most reliable narrator mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because she is also very caught up in her own stuff. Um, and the way she views the relationship kind of as a power struggle and she's not wrong, but like um, George and Yukari, I think are, have a, I like, I like the, the sort of ambiguity and complexity about their relationship. Um, I think one of the things that I really like about Jose over Shoujo is that there is more room to explore that complexity um, and that sort of uh, in-between space in relationships or it's like, is it unhealthy? Is it abusive? Like, you know, what are, what are these to these people? Are they good for each other? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely very complicated. Yeah, well, and I think Pericus is pretty open about the fact that Yukari and George do not have a healthy relationship. Like, no. I mean, that's one of the reasons they break up at the end is they have that conversation about, like, we want different things out of this relationship and we keep trying to push our own wants onto each other. And that cannot be good for either of us. <laughs> um, which props to them for realizing it at the end and, you know, um, doing the mature thing and parting ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm. I don't know what the fandom conversation around Paracus is. I would imagine that there is some question about whether that relationship is abusive or just unhealthy. To me, it's like a quintessential, like I think very well-written, unhealthy relationship. Like both of them are not handling it well, mostly out of a lack of communication or an unwillingness to like be emotionally vulnerable with each other. Um, I don't see either of them as like actively like trying to, manipulator lord power over the other one if that makes sense yeah it's like it's a bad relationship but neither of them are are bad people and i feel like that's such a hard thing to portray that that they're so they're so important to each other but also just really bad together yeah and i i have seen very few other other pieces of media pull that off so well i i agree like i agree um it is it is a big conversation in the fandom of whether they are abusive or just unhealthy or the OMG the most romantic thing ever. Well, I'm not. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no to the last one. Yeah, for sure. no, oh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> I I don't like I lean them towards unhealthy as well because like I said like there are hints of that they are both like totally messed up and confused um, and like doesn't understand the other one in their own way deeply flawed and need to work out their own shit before they try to have a serious relationship um also both of them kind of come from abusive households uh and and you can see that uh you can see them trying to work through that in their own relationship with each other because yukari's mom is terrible and george's mom is maybe not as bad but also pretty pretty awful yeah, it's a case of like physical abuse versus emotional neglect in in their backgrounds mm-hmm. and like what it teaches them about their expectations for others. Mm-hmm. They're like they I do think that they are who the other person needs like at this moment in their lives. The fact that they connected because 
George told Yukari, "You're pro- of course you can talk about your problems. Like they're not dumb. You, they, I'll li- sit and listen to you." And like that was such a big deal for her. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I, and I think that they are, yeah, like they drove each other crazy but they also um inspired each other and pulled each other out of their comfort zone and that was really important for both of them because they would have been on completely different tracks in their lives without each other and then once they that relationship has run its course they break up and that's good you know it's what i i kind of hate the assertion that like assholes like nicholas sparks tend to make where like you know, romance that ends sadly is more serious or meaningful than stuff with a happy ending. Because I don't think that's true. And I think it tends to be derisive of media specifically or largely made for women. But at the same time, I think we've talked about on a lot of podcasts how we wish there would be stories that acknowledge that a first love can be powerful and really shape who you are as a person, but isn't necessarily who you want to be with for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There needs to be more media like that. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I you know, I, I like I like a nice fluffy romance. I love my love story. It's it's adorable and sweet. Someday we'll do a podcast on that one. But anyway, um, <laughs> but but yeah, like if that's all you're getting all the time, um, it can lead to some uh, maybe unrealistic expectations, which we talked about yes. a lot in Shigi Yugi Watch Along as well, about like, you know, when you're in high school and thinking like, oh, well, I must find my true love now because that's how the stories work. Uh, so yeah, I think having something like like Paradise Kiss, where um, you know she has this really intense sort of first love relationship with George, and then they both realize they're not good for each other, and they break up, and then she ends up with you know a a much steadier, more uh, supportive presence in her life. Because um, Tokimori is a good boy; he's not in the story much, but I mean, he's doing his best well, out there, right? I, I had intended to save me yelling about this till later in the podcast, but fuck it, I might as well do it now. <laughs> Sure. Uh, this will be in the can forever, so I'm officially saying as my as my thing to finally finish the article I've been doing for four years that I will have written an article about this by the time that the, <laughs> the time this podcast drops. Called there you go. Um, the um, it really honestly makes me quite angry how much not. Like the, there is a significant chunk of the fandom that's like George and Yukari are, are such a beautiful ideal romance and I can't believe they broke up and that sucks so much and like on the one hand it, it's irritating but also fandom got a fandom you you know what is, whatever what is reading comprehension <laughs> well but but like what make that's just like whatever I wanted something else from this story and I'm gonna make my fanfic about it it's sure. whatever yeah, I but mean, that's fine yeah. yeah but but the fact that so that is whatever but the fact that the other all of the adaptations of this work either downplay or straight up get rid of the fact that it's so important and healthy that they broke up and i hate that oh that's too bad yeah i've not seen the anime but i knew i knew you hated the ending of it and i wondered if that was if that was why mm-hmm. yeah yeah the um the anime is on one hand i'm kind of sad that it's not really easily available because it gets rid of some of the cute fourth wall stuff in the manga, but otherwise it's a pretty beat for beat faithful adaptation up through the fashion show. And it's quite, it's quite lovely to see it made so sumptuously with voice acting and the colors on the clothes. And it's really also, quite lovely to look at. Franz Ferdinand does the ending theme yes. somehow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, also, I mean, both the theme songs are incredible. 
But I remember when that came on, when we watched the first couple episodes, I think it was an anime club, and the ending theme came on, and we were all like, what? (laughs) We know this song. That doesn't happen. This isn't JoJo's. Um, Yeah, it was excellent. But yeah, basically the entire fifth volume is done in one episode in the anime. Oof. Yeah. It's it's, it's a good chunk of story. That's That's a... fifth of the story in one episode of 12 a lot of very important character development happens in it because this like this is the point where like you curry and george start to realize that their relationship has run its course and that like they want different things it's not healthy for them to continue on this way like there's a whole plot you know that whole the whole plot line about like uh george's friend and kaori yeah kaori yeah like and yukari realizing that she is starting to turn like super jealous and not a person that she likes with him oh i love that entire subplot because it's it's so much of george and yukari's relationship is a lot of their fights on yukari's end are her real kind of pushing these expectations she has of heteronormative romance onto him like she doesn't call him and then gets mad because why didn't he call he's the man he's supposed to do that and he'll be like well but i left my phone on and i was really upset that you didn't call me either and like all of those where it's not you know it's 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 not making a definitive statement but it's kind of touching on the fact that these expectations she's been taught are hurting both of them and their relationship and then when kaori comes into the picture she looks like the kind of spunky jose um shoujo heroine she's got the short hair and the kind of very you know she comes from noble poverty as it were and she's like she's she's focused on her dream and she pushed off this playboy and one is his admiration and they're they're good friends and yukari is realizing oh no i'm the jealous bitchy um girlfriend who's getting in the way of the main couple moment and like i love that entire subplot how smart it is about genre and you and you see that and in addition to that like you see how george is when he is like has someone who he's comfortable with and happy with and how different he is with Corey than he is with you because like they're not playing mind games with each other yeah it's nice to see george in other relationships because you get a much better feel for his character because he's always sort of guarded with yukari and he's guarded with his mom um, but then with Kaori, he's much more open. And then the handful of scenes we get with him and Isabella are just golden, top to bottom. Oh, um, so good. Yeah, yes, hello, like, I shipped them. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, I think it would be very sweet if the two of them ended up getting together while they were in France. Um, She's going to make the patterns for his dresses forever, you guys. She, I, yeah, no, the fact that the his just, like, total wholehearted acceptance of her when they were kids um, yeah. is really sweet and genuine and gives mm-hmm. you, because I think for the first half of the story, you really only get George from Yukari's perspective, like, you don't get a lot of him on his own or from another character's point of view, um, and so there is very much that sense of, like, is he just kind of a dick or is he, like, actively manipulative the way Yukari sort of sees him? Um, and then so when you get to see him with other characters, you get a better feel for the fact that he's, you know, mostly just kind of shitty at communicating and hesitant to, like, open up with new people for right. understandable and reasons, I think. Um, and, like, like, she feels like he's trying to, like, turn her into his ideal girl, but, like, I don't, when you look at the story, he's really just being, like, upfront about, like, no, I don't really want a clingy girlfriend. Like, I'm just not into that. So that's we're done here you know and then so then she decides she's going to become independent like for him and it resents him for that 
but a lot of that is kind of her own perspective and her having to sort of work through who she wants to be versus what other people want her to be. Um, and it's, it's Which, really well done over the course of the series because there definitely is that question in the early going. Um, and then as you go, you start to sort of realize that, you know, we're seeing it just through Yukari's eyes. And she's not, like Caitlin said, she's not the most reliable of narrators. Um, mm-hmm. And I, again, I really appreciate that in, in the writing and the way that sort of gets teased out over the course of the story. Mm-hmm. And I do love that Yazawa allows this idea of being a strong, independent woman to not necessarily be the be-all end-all goal either. Like, it's clearly working for Kaori, and she's happy and independent and making her way, and it's great. Mm-hmm. But for Yukari, it's also, like, she's she's also equally unhappy not being allowed to to voice these moments where she wants to be vulnerable and supported. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, totally fair. Like, again, it's not like, I don't think... The relationship isn't healthy because Yukari does want somebody in her life who, you know, she can go to when she's feeling down, who will, you know, kind of take care of her a little bit. And I think that's totally fair to want that in a relationship. Um, And that's just not something George is willing to give. And I don't think that's either's fault. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's the reason their relationship isn't going to work. Right. It's good shit. It's really well done. Yeah. Yeah. I did kind of want to talk about Isabella a little bit too. Partly yes. because I love her yes. and she is my daughter. That's yeah. probably why I brought she her up lovely. because I figured we'd want to spend some time on her. And yeah, then just um, the series handles queerness in general, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, and Isabella is one of those that were like, I st- I think she mostly holds up as one of the better portrayals mm-hmm. in, in manga and anime to this day even. But it, it does, it's still kind of, it, it also is one of those things I mentioned earlier that has aged a little bit because like the first couple volumes have or the first couple chapters have Yukari kind of being insensitive because she has, you know, because it wants to show that she's insensitive and then she pretty quickly apologizes. But also it kind of has that shitty through joke at the end where they got almost all the way to the end, but they didn't make it. They did. They, they ended up dead naming her at the very end. Oh, and I hate no. that. <laughs> you were so close, Paracus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Arashi can die in a fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I appreciated how when Arashi dead named Isabella, like everyone is just like, "Dude, what the fuck, Arashi? <laughs> don't George you don't prepares do to murder that. him, and I support this you boy. Don't do that. Like, like everyone's like shock and horror at it. Um, at it was was I thought appropriate, and Arashi sucks. Like, let's be real. Oh my god, he's the worst. I didn't realize it. You don't realize it until like the very end how much Arashi sucks. Yeah, but it's it's so it's in character for him to do something garbage like that. But honestly, like even just like flipping through, I there was a dumb one-off joke and like where Isabel like chopped through meat with a bone in it with a cleaver, and you know, and and Yukari's just like way to go Daisuke and I'm just like really? Right if you wanted to have that moment where Arashi's being a dick because I mean why would you need one more but like you could have still done it in a way that actually you know kind of like the shit in the 2003 Kino's journey where they talk around Kino's Kino's dead name basically Mm -hmm. um, without actually stating it to get the effect Yeah I I think for the most part, Yazawa treads that really careful line where the story is very supportive of Isabella and it's just some of the characters are flawed and have to kind of, we, we see that on display in the narrative because that's how the characters are. You know, Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
Um, like you said, and I want, like, in the early going, or the fact that Arashi's queerphobic through the entire story, um, or like Isabella's mm-hmm. uh, butler who is trying and kind of fucking it up, but is doing his, you know, he's getting better. Um, that whole yeah. scene is like such a mood of for anybody who's got like older parents or who like family who's from a conservative environment, but really doing their best. Yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, and and so I think that I think for the most part the narrative does a good job of again the st- like there are characters who say things that are insensitive or prejudiced or what have you, but the story mm-hmm. overall is like supportive and accepting of Isabella, which is really good. Um, and then, like you said, it's that it's that it's that dead name thing at the end that is that kind of feels off and like a joke about it instead of yeah. um, instead yeah, of you know, following the supportiveness of the story, which sucks. Yeah. I, I do want to give a shout out to the the new the new translation though. Like it has done so much good work that the um, that that the <laughs> the Tokyo Pop translation surprisingly did not. There are a couple moments in the Tokyo trans- Pop translation that I like, like mm-hmm. um, the whole Christmas. The, the the entire Christmas argument um, scene with Kari and Yukari and George, I actually like their version better. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a little more direct and punchy. But other than that, yeah, the vertical translation is great. Anyway. Yeah, and you said there's a lot more like they kind of went all in on like the transphobic shit in the Tokyo Pop version. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah maybe and, and none of us have the Japan have the original Japanese in front of us, so we can't you know do a comparison to the original text. Um, but it is one of those things where it's like if you have the option to go hard or go soft based on whatever the original said, maybe don't go hard on it. Maybe don't alienate readers. Yeah. Uh, would be a good idea. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, the vertical, yeah. I thought the vertical one overall, it was, um, I, I really liked Isabella's arc. I was glad we got those flashbacks mm-hmm. with her and George. Cause those were really, really nice. Um, and the way the characters kind of talk about, you know, uh, clothing having power, which again, rem- brought, took me back to like princess jellyfish. So, mm. Yeah, I can't believe I've never actually read any of Higashimura's work. What? I know. Maybe Bye. we'll do. A, maybe we'll do a Princess Jellyfish retrospective further down the line. We'll we'll knock out both the big fashion series. There you go. I mean, I do have a soft spot. I mean, if anybody's listened to the old Kill a Kill watch along, you know that I get on a high horse a little bit about fashion because my wife makes clothes, so I know just enough. I know just enough about that shit to be dangerous. <laughs> I do really love the the attention to fashion in this series, like not just how sumptuously Yazawa draws clothes, but also just the the casual clear breadth of knowledge that she puts into it and how the Mm -hmm. world works. Yeah, the the conversations around uh, the conversation around fashion as a um, trying to think of a how do I word this like a professional industry. Yeah, and it's it's sort of inherently in in a way that like that I think you know, that that certain forms of art maybe aren't as much. It is inherently about like, you know, you make the goods so the consumer will buy them. Like it's art, but it is also like it's very closely tied to um like marketability. And you know, right. they, they talk about like that having to make those compromises between like mm-hmm. what you want to design versus what people will actually wear because of price or style or what have you right um, it's, it's the difference between like haute couture like the stuff you, that you see on the runways and you're like what is that who yeah. would wear that and like you know and stuff that is wearable and accessible and affordable and um sometimes sometimes it is hard to reconcile the two like the fact that George can't work in Japan because his fashion, like his fashion sense, does, just doesn't jibe with 
Japanese sensibilities and it's too it's it's too couture um so he has to go somewhere where that will be appreciated I like that he eventually gets a job designing costumes on Broadway because that's such a good place for um someone with George's like stylistic eye to end mm-hmm. up uh, I think that I thought that was a that was a cool way to show like no he did he did have success um while still kind of being able to stay true to what he wanted to do I love the way it ties into the the, the themes of the relationships too cuz like there's all this you know couture is all about these shows that are fashion for fashion people where you make these things that obviously nobody's going to wear but you're showing off your talents to one another as designers and it's they talk about it in the series as like spinning these illusions which is kind of what George and and Yukari are doing to each other is like kind of pushing one another into being what they want their ideal partner to be and it collapses on them and George can't function that way although then he goes to America you know he goes to France with Isabella who is gentle and supportive and also really likes wearing his fancy clothes anyway I anyway moving on but but also (laughs) fancy lady lady. um but and, and that but then also, you know, that that idea of ready wear and stuff that's mm-hmm. it's not bad, but it is made for a practical it's made for practical wear and to sell as a consumer. And like that, that contrast with this sort of down to earth, less romantic, but very supportive relationship mm-hmm. that that Yukari has with Hiroyuki and they ultimately end up getting married. It's nice. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. The way that that kind of ties together. And then then I guess at the same time, there's also that element of um, fashion kind of helping you become your true self like you know we see Isabella George giving her those dresses help her kind of um you know come out and and live openly um as a as a trans woman and then you also see um you know Yukari sort of starts to find her footing and her place in the world through you know dressing through like dressing the part basically until she kind of becomes the part um but in a way that like it's not in it's not um it's not somebody else forcing it on them it is it's a you know a decision they get to make for themselves yeah, the I noticed that like in the beginning when she's talking about how like she doesn't really have much of a sense of self. Um, she talks about how she has the uniform for this uh, prestigious high school, mm-hmm. and she, people see her wearing that uniform, and that is sort of the only real sense of identity she has, even though she is so empty she is so adrift she has no actual interest in uh academics and she's totally burnt out from going to a school that is too hard for her Mm -hmm. but the uniform is what gives her pride and identity and so i think that is yeah that's that's a really important part of the themes Mm -hmm. and then once she starts wearing other clothes um she can develop she can develop her own identity um and once she is not and she starts having a real sense of herself then she's you know wearing more interesting and exciting clothes and not just defining herself by her uniform Mm -hmm. i've always i keep coming back to the series and wondering why the the things it's exploring like uh, the this issue of you know clothes help define who you are and like this idea of beauty and excelling don't I've complained about them in other places where so you know shows like uh like Wandering Sun or Smile Down the Runway where I feel like they've touched on these similar things that and I don't think it works um quite like Paracus like Paracus is not 
it's still dealing with that idea of, you know, clothes as identity and um, there, there's a very, there's not a lot of body type uh, d- diversity in this series, but it's never, I it doesn't bother me here and I've never been able to quite articulate what well, it is. I don't think they call, they don't call attention to it, right? Like, I mean, one of the mm-hmm. big issues with Smile Down the Runway in the early going, which again, I ended up enjoying that, that anime um, a fair bit, mm. but one of the kind of hurdles I think early on is the way it's trying to be a story about like, like like body image and positivity and and mm-hmm. what what is culturally considered you know beautiful and but it's doing it just with a bunch of characters who would culturally be considered beautiful right um, and so it's it's trying to it's trying to do a progressive and the fact that it's trying to do that makes calls it worse. attention to the fact yeah makes it worse like and Pericus isn't about that it's not it's about identity it's about like it's about um more the emotional side of it than like like the clothing can help you find your you know confidence or what have you but it's not it's not trying to say something about like yukari being secretly beautiful and she doesn't know it or anything like that like that's that's not the point of the story no so i think that's probably why it doesn't bother you is because that's not that's not what they're going for right and Mm. and paradise kiss does like specifically call out like i was born with these these things like i was born with these long legs and like my height and my natural thinness and because of like it is aware of her like the the her genetics being an advantage like it it doesn't try to make any show towards like well she's overcoming these barriers Mm. because she's like these yeah no these barriers aren't here for me just because i was born this way and like i respect its willingness to um to recognize that versus like making a big show of like this beautiful short girl who doesn't yeah. know yeah, she once, doesn't know she's beautiful guys yeah once you kind of figures out that she like she gets scouted you know and then once she kind of figures out what she, that she wants to keep doing this um it actually comes fairly easy to her um like the struggle isn't breaking into the industry necessarily because she is like she is what what uh, you know, agencies look for when they're hiring models. Um, her struggle is more, you know, figuring out what she wants and then getting her her mom to accept it. Um, well, and also like specifically being aware of like big business acumen and all the things she has to be savvy about, which I kind of love that this sh- mm-hmm. series includes that. Yeah, yeah modeling is hard work. Mm-hmm. I do feel like as we get round to, you know, as, as we're about three quarters of the way and now we got we we have to talk about arashi and, and muwako as much as yes. perhaps we don't want to because to get back to arashi being a garbage human being that's the thing that soured me at the tail end because yeah. like he throughout the story you know he's he's possessive and jealous and um and controlling but it's in that way that i could go okay they're shitty 18 year olds like yukari is also kind of possessive and jealous and controlling um they can work through this and then we get to the final volume and oh. they drop that bomb on you about the fact that arashi raped miwako and that's how their relationship started um yeah and it's all through arashi's perspective yeah like he's talking to tokomori and miwako's not involved yeah miwako is not part of the conversation about her own sexual assault and that's really like not okay um for one thing and like the 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 the, their way they're the terms they're talking about it is like 
it's bizarre because it is in like such like male perception of female of of women sort of ways like to uh tokumori talks about how it's like oh you feel guilty because you turned her into a sexual being it's like no like she is as like she could she was a she is a sexual being on her own like you raping her didn't automatically like it's like flip a switch like uh something went in her vagina now she's a sexual being like that's not how it is like it it feel it all the the way it's they talk about it is so different from yazawa's usual approach to sex i almost wonder if it was intentional but just she fumbled it yeah it does feel intentional because like they're super talking about it as though you define like she was an innocent being who wasn't aware of sex until this terrible thing happened to her but which is clearly some bullshit but it's it doesn't matter whether we're intended to to read it as you know uh, an unreliable an, an unreliable bit of text because we never get come back to muwako and how she feels about no. that no no it's it's it, it is poorly handled in, in the best of cases, in, in, in the best, most charitable reading is that Yozawa meant to do something and did it badly. Um, you know, and the least charitable is that she thinks that it is okay. Like, this relationship is okay. But, like, he is, like, like he breaks her phone. Like, that's, that's, that's abuse. Like, mm-hmm. right, he, he forces her to end her friendship with, with Hiroyuki because he's jealous and insecure. That's not okay. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing to to have a conversation with somebody where you say, you know, like, because Miyako's situation is like she kind of wanted a poly relationship, right? Like that's that mm-hmm. was my read on it. Is mm-hmm. she loved them both about equally, and Arashi wasn't okay with that. And it's one thing to have a conversation where you say, yeah, I don't think that's the kind of relationship I want. So, like, we have to move forward from that point. Um, but that's not what happened. Like he basically gave her an ultimatum and forced her to like cut ties with Tokamori entirely. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's awful start to finish. And then there's that, then you, then you get that scene where like, where all the, all the background stuff comes out, which makes it so much worse in retrospect. And then he, you know, kind of has a conversation about like, yeah, no, I need to try, I need to trust her more. And I need to be like, you know, less shitty and seems to be sort of moving in that direction. Like they, they, you know, can, they start hanging out with Tokamori again, like the three of them, which is good, I guess. Um, but at that point, I really just wanted him to die. And then he dead named Isabella. <laughs> so fuck off. <laughs> it, it is because I feel like I could have forgiven him. Uh, uh, like the, the resolution at the end where he's like, I'm sorry, I want to try to patch this up. And I know that I've been treating you wrong. I feel like a lot of that could have worked for me, like you said, because they're dumb, shitty teenagers. Mm-hmm. Without, if, if the assault element wasn't there, like if yep. he was just being shitty and jealous. Yeah, yeah the, yeah. the possessiveness up to that point, I was like, this is bad and like this is bad and like like caitlin said like you know um abusive behavior um but they're 18 year olds they have time to change um like and if so if if his character arc was him getting better um i could have i could have worked with it um but yeah when you find out that the relationship began with assault um I I was kind of done with that and that yeah that put a that put a sour note at the end of the series that I really liked everything else it did and I was like why why is this here yeah why? and I think yeah and then they have kids yeah they stay together like that's yeah. the couple that lasts mm-hmm. yeah Yorako. you can do so yeah, much like, she's such a good girl and um, I, I feel so bad for her like she has like you know anxiety um, 
like physical mm-hmm. manifestations of, of anxiety and is clearly trying to do her best. And like her relationship with Yukari is really sweet. Um, I really like their friendship. Um, like she's the one who really brings Yukari into the fold more so than like, obviously Yukari is, you know, attracted to George, but her friendship with Miwako, I think is kind of what, what really seals mm-hmm. the deal. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, I just feel like she gets, she gets a, she gets a raw deal there at the end, especially like you said, like we don't get her side of the story. Like maybe if we'd gotten her feelings on it, it would have made it work better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said at the beginning, Yazawa has, she does this in Nana as well. She has a tendency to depict these like toxic or abusive relationships and she doesn't romanticize them, but she doesn't necessarily condemn them either. And it's, it, it can lead to, it can, sometimes it can lead to like these really well-written kind of complex relationships like Yukari and George, which I think is a good depiction of an unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can lead to situations where it kind of feels like she's normalizing abuse. And that's the way the Arashi Miwako stuff sort yeah. of shook out. Uh, yeah. And that made me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I think Nana handled it better than Paradise. Agreed. Did. Yeah. No, I think, I think, I think when she gets, a, I think she gets a second crack at it in Nana. And uh, I think she, she handles those elements a lot better. Like it's much clearer um, when characters are being abusive and awful and it's not, like condoned at yeah, all. Yeah, although so. some people still miss that point. It's very frustrating to me. Well, Yazawa's not again, she's she is a writer who's not gonna smack you over the head necessarily. Like, I mean you really have to like pay attention to what the characters are saying and thinking mm-hmm. and feeling. Um Yeah, but, yeah, this is the part where I drop in that at the end of the live action movie, Yukari and George get back together at the end of course and they I do. die. I die. I'm, I'm, I am completely unsurprised that there are versions of the story out there that are like, hey, but what if they what if they stayed together? What if? Yeah. What if this was good, actually? And I'm like, well, they'd have to be probably completely different people for that to happen. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it sucks to have that one just really wrong note that's kind of in there in this in this story that I otherwise think is it's just so completely masterful and like even with honestly even with that that screw up i'd still call it one of the best jose series of all time we haven't we don't have enough jose in english for me to make that there okay there there at this point like i can i feel like i can count the number of jose series that are like readily available and i've read on two hands and the number is going up has gone up exponentially in the past few years which is amazing and i'm very excited about it um but I would be I would be hesitant to make any 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 broad statements about Josie because I just don't feel like I've read enough at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it is it does have a lot of the elements of um, what makes um, Jose as I mean, it's a demo like all of the like Jose shoujo, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's kind of the genre. It's kind of like just a marketing demographic. Mm-hmm. The lines are blurry. Blurry. Yeah, um, this is true. But it has, like, a lot of what I think, like, the best Jose, the Jose that really appeals to me mm-hmm. has, like, um, because there's a lot of Jose that's just, like, you know, that's, like, Harlequin romances or, like, uh, oh, I'm working too hard and I really want to get married and have babies and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, like, anyway like and, that's and listen my, there's a there's a place for those stories yeah, like if, if, yeah. if you like those that's like whatever i'm not judging you it's just generally not my bag um but like 
you know, Paradise Kiss offers like, you know, it, a lot of like complexity and uh, a certain degree of realism and, um, you know, and, and the, the, the this, you know, gorgeous art mm-hmm. um, and just a very like a very strong sense of being grounded in reality and depicting reality without a sense of like moralizing or like didacticism just like a really well-told story for people who can think about it um yeah that's something i i will give a little bit more and that's my other thing like a jose series is targeted at you know adults so Mm -hmm. i think that i i don't necessarily think that you have to have um you have to necessarily have take a firm moral stance on things um even if that can sometimes lead to story arcs that leave a really bad taste in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think the way she, I think mm-hmm. the, the way she writes like the more complex character arcs is, is really well done. And it is, it is something that I think in many ways, only the Jose demographic um, will tackle. Like you don't see it in a lot of the other demographics as much. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I can totally see what you guys mean about Paracus kind of being like a quintessential example of, of a particular like style of, of, of character driven, um, like Jose stories. It's definitely very quite different from my other favorite Jose, which is a helter skelter, which (laughs) is an altogether more raw singular experience. Right. But also like that is another, like, you know, a helter skelter is, um, once again, it is that complexity, that sort of, um, you know, flawed, complicated characters. Um, the, it's not, you know, it, it it is it has those same elements because I was thinking about like stories like uh, Kyoko Okazaki when I was talking about that. Mm-hmm. No, um, I agree. I think Paracus is much closer to that that style of Jose than, um, I guess the other style that I enjoy is um, the more the more upbeat your your Higashimura's your you know your rom coms that can mm-hmm. hit hard but are ultimately like are more stories that you can kind of laugh about and you can look forward to a happy ending, like an unambiguously happy ending um, yes. or something like Chihayafuru, which is, uh, I, I still, I mean, which I love I it. still need to watch. Yeah, no, it. I love Chihayafuru to pieces, but it is, I mean, it's, it's a sports series, right? Like mm-hmm. again, the demographic labels at mm-hmm. a certain point become meaningless. Um, but I think mm-hmm. that, I think that character <laughs> focus is something that you see in a lot of Jose series. And I really, Challenge. really appreciate that, that, that willingness yeah. to write these kind of complex, messy people and just, let them exist in the world and let the mm-hmm. let the reader kind of come to their own conclusions about them. Right. Challenging is the word that I was looking for. Yes. That's a good Challenging. one. Yeah. And I mean, yes, like I, when I was doing my abuse and shoujo series, I would like to pick back up once the libraries reopen. I chose not to do Jose because it was like, well, these are not aimed at teenage girls. Like no adults are not immune to getting stuff, picking stuff up from media, of course, but um, you know, our sense of the world is a lot more strongly formed, um, and I don't want to feel like I'm moralizing and telling other adults what to think. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and so par- like Paradise Kiss is a really good example of that because like how how would you write? How would I handle George and Yukari? You know, in that kind of mode of conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. that would be. It, it that it, they don't funk they because of the they don't function yes no they, they don't, don't function, function. <laughs> they don't function but also like um 
the complexity of their relationship like makes the god okay I'm it's okay we're getting we're getting up to the end of the it's hour it's okay it's about we're at about an hour um i guess this is as good a time as any for anybody to say uh final thoughts um read more jose but definitely do read paracus like if keeping in mind the couple caveats we've mentioned um yeah i would say there's I, definitely I recommend some, it very highly i would say there's definitely some content and trigger warnings um specifically for the 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 rape assault plot that is not shown but is told at the very end i think that could be i would mark that as like a an active trigger warning um and then again the caveats being it depicts unhealthy relationships i think in a way that is that is well written and does not you know romanticize them as being awesome but again apparently a lot of people think george and yukari are the perfect couple so what do i know (laughs) um uh so yeah but caveats aside it is and you know again even even with the the sour taste that 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 one plot point left in my mouth i think overall um it it i am it is a story i am glad i finally read and i would i would recommend it to folks you know it just going in with the knowledge of those those um areas of concern i guess <laughs> yeah and do pick up the vertical translation um you know as much as i have some fondness for some of the choices in the tokyo pop translation you're gonna have a bad time yeah well and i mean the tokyo pop versions are really hard to find nowadays the vertical one just came out it's readily available and it's extremely reasonably priced what's it like five volumes for 30 bucks like that's a good deal yeah less than that it's like 20 although sadly it's not available digitally for whatever reason it is 29.95 full full msrp yeah, but right stuff always get it cheaper. Yeah, right. It's always on yeah. everything's always on sale on right stuff. So yes. shop right stuff. Don't shop Amazon. Hell yeah. If you're in the US. Please shop as ethically as you can when you can. Yes. Well, I think that that about wraps us up for this episode of Chatty AF, which I am still so very happy we got to do. Thank you for joining us, listeners. If you liked this episode, you can find more of us uh, in audio and print format on our website at www.animefeminist.com. And if you really liked this, please consider giving us a donation of a dollar or more at patreon.com slash animefeminist. Every little bit really does help us to pay our contributors and to keep the site running and to keep a roof over the our, our, our little staff's head. You know, we, we all do our best. and But it's all of you that help us to do what we do. You can also find us on various social media platforms. We're on Facebook at Anime Femme. We are on Tumblr at Anime Feminist. And we are on Twitter at Anime Feminist. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. And until next time, stay beautiful.